Well, the first thing you have to understand is that there's really no playbook for when you step into the role. You know, all of these jobs are different. Each institution is different. And so, yes, having that insight, you know, having served in administration does help. But there's really not a playbook that can be offered to you to say, do this, do that. I will say that you always, always want to focus on your core mission, which is academics. In the end, we're about teaching, learning and research. And you want to focus on that core constituency, which is your students, the very reason that you are there. You do that. You make sure that every decision you make is in the best interest of your students and somehow leads back to your core mission. And then you just put your plan in place. You set priorities. Uh, you try to do those things, you know, you get a checklist of what do I need to do? What am I trying to accomplish? Also understand that even as an acting or an interim leader, you're still responsible for the future of the university. You have to act in that role. Welcome to Innovating Together, a podcast produced by the University Innovation Alliance. This is a podcast for busy people in higher education who are looking for the best ideas, inspiration, and leaders that will help you improve student success. I'm your host, Bridget Burns. Each week, I partner with a journalist to have a conversation with a sitting college president, chancellor, system leader, or someone in the broader ecosystem who's really an inspiring leader. And the goal is to have a conversation to distill their perspective and their insights gathered from their leadership journey. Our hope is that this is inspiring and gives you something to look forward to each week. This episode, my co-host is Inside Higher Ed co-founder and CEO, Doug Lederman. Yeah, we're joined today by Thomas K. Hudson, who is uh, president of Jackson State University in Mississippi. Um, he rose to the presidency uh, about a year and a little over a year ago after a period as an interim uh, and having been a special assistant to the president and chief diversity officer there. Welcome, President Hudson. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we're delighted to have you here. And um, this is, again, uh, President's Day, so a chance for us to really learn from you about what your experience has been. Um, I think it's it's unique in that you worked very closely with the president, sat on the executive cabinet and have a sense of the presidency from the outside and then experienced what it was like to do the interim and then now leading the institution in a new direction. So I think how we help institutions do that pivot Super important, especially given the news that we heard last week about the Cal States. And I think uh, creating a space for us to discuss what you've learned and what advice you have for institutions that are trying to um, transition into the future rather than kind of focus on the past. So thanks for giving us any insight that you have about your experience. Happy to do it. Thank you so much for having me and for offering this platform to not only myself, but also Jackson State University. What has surprised you, I think, about stepping in, like, you, you know, you sat very close, you were responsible for helping ensure the success of the president. But when you step in, what has surprised you the most about the role that you were not anticipating? You know, it's interesting uh, when you're, as you said, when you're in the administration, uh, you're very familiar with the school, uh, have been affiliated with Jackson State in some form or fashion my entire life. Uh, but there are things that you just do not know uh, that you would not know or have no way of knowing until you step into that role, until you step into the presidency. And so really, it's just a matter of really capturing and trying to encompass the entire university, really setting those priorities, making sure you maintain and stick to your core mission 
and, and just making a way and going through that. So uh, it's hard to say exactly what surprises you, except that there are just things that you won't really experience until you're in that seat. A lot of presidents talk about the uh, sort of 24 seven nature of the job, the sort of the visibility that you have in the public. Um, and again, you presumably as the as a chief assistant to the president, you probably had some sense of those things. But can you be a little more specific about sort of which things caught you uh, if, again, if not by surprise, but maybe weren't as evident to you before as since? Well, you know, you talk about the visibility uh, in terms of being the leader of an institution, uh, being the senior person in the room at all times. And those things do take a little getting used to, uh, you know, the power of your words. I often say that, you know, you you play with live ammo at this level. Right. So uh, really the power of your words, what you say not only matters, but people act on it. And so there's no loose talk. Uh, you have to be very careful in what you say. You have to mean what you say. Uh, and, and it's a real big transition along those lines. So, again, just the elevation of your profile. You know, I was uh, I became president, acting president just before uh, we started the pandemic and just before things shut down. And even during that time, just trying to figure out how do you maintain a profile? How do you stay visible? But also, how do you do so in a safe and responsible way? And those are just things that there's really no playbook for. And those are things that no one can really teach you. You just have to learn them. You just have to go through it and just really be a part of it. So I'm curious about, so think about the other institutions who go through transition, especially right now. I feel like there are so many retirements and resignations being announced because frankly, leading right now is in many cases, people think not worth it. And so we're seeing this mass exodus. Those of us who are left at the institution grappling with change and like, you know, keeping things going and momentum. When that happens, I feel like you have sat there. What advice do you, would you give not just about Jackson State, but from the outside, um, what are like one or two things that you think a leader should focus on in those moments of transition that help um, ensure that that things can move forward? Well, the first thing you have to understand is that there's really no playbook for when you step into the role. You know, all of these jobs are different. Each institution is different. And so, yes, having that insight, you know, having served in administration does help. But there's really not a playbook that can be offered to you to say, do this, do that. I will say that you always, always want to focus on your core mission, which is academics. In the end, we're about teaching, learning and research. And you want to focus on that core constituency, which is your students, the very reason that you are there. You do that. You make sure that every decision you make is in the best interest of your students and somehow leads back to your core mission. And then you just put your plan in place. You set priorities. Uh, you try to do those things, you know, you get a checklist of what do I need to do? What am I trying to accomplish? Also understand that even as an acting or an interim leader, you're still responsible for the future of the university. You have to act in that role. Uh, probably the best advice I got was from uh, one of our governing uh, participants who said, look, uh, even though you're acting, I expect you to do the job as president. And what that does is free you from not trying to make decisions on an interim or part-time basis, but really making decisions that are in the overall best interest of the university. Can you give us any sense about what kind of change you felt in the interim role versus the, the permanent role? Did that, did that affect 
did you do anything differently in the, in, in, did you feel any differently before and after that moment? I can see it cutting multiple ways, some of which would be, could cut different ways. I'm just curious if you have thoughts on that. You know, I didn't. Uh, I, I can't say I felt too differently uh, because, as I said, I always uh, wanted to act in the best interest of Jackson State University. At no point uh, during my interim time did I put a lot of thought into, OK, the permanent role. Uh, what would it take to do the permanent job? I was laser focused on Jackson State during that time. You know, not only were we getting ready, you know, when I started, we had of course, the pandemic was just on the horizon, but we're also under our reaffirmation period. Uh, we're accredited by SAC COC, and every 10 years, you undergo a reaffirmation process, which is very extensive, uh, comprehensive, deals with all areas of the university, both inside and out. And what that allowed me to do was really focus on that big, humongous task that was looming. So again, you just maintain the focus on your core mission, your core constituency, Handle the business of the university and keep your focus there. Uh, as long as you're doing that, I don't think you can go wrong. And again, you always have to have the future of the university in mind, even when you're in a role that may very well be temporary. I'm curious about uh, the constituencies in particular. Are there any constituencies that as you navigate uh, from interim to, to permanent or you're thinking about moving forward, say many of our institutions are advancing new strategic plans or they are advancing new initiatives. Is there a constituency that you have found outreach to uh, that was really important, but you m might not occur as the most important to others, but you found to be actually far more uh, relevant as in terms of helping the institution? Well, you have to, you know, you have to know your audiences and you have to look at the various constituencies. Uh, here in a, you know, here at Jackson State University, it was very, very important to reach out to the alumni and get those alumni on board, uh, myself being one of them. Uh, really having them back your initiatives, back your plans, and, and just back your administration. Uh, the coming together of the JSU alumni was so, so important, and it's really led us to have some measure of success over the last couple of years. So again, that alumni constituency is very, very important. Uh, you never want to forget, of course, those you work with, your faculty, your staff, and uh, the, those who support the work and who are really on the ground doing that work. And also, of course, your student constituency. Again, that's your core constituents. Uh, everything we do is for the students and making sure they hear you, making sure they see you, and making sure their needs are being met. Do you think your uh, history as an alumnus makes a difference in how in, in, in how alumni view you? Do you think I, I don't know what the numbers would look like if we figured out what proportion of presidents are, are alums of their institutions? But do you think that's a significant factor in how you do your job there? Well, it, it does help. I mean, I, I, I'm the second. Uh, there have been 12 JSU presidents. Let me back up a little bit. There have been 12 JSU presidents. Uh, and during our 144 year history, uh, and I'm only the second alumnus president and the first in almost 40 years. And so there was, uh, you know, some bit of a pent up demand in terms of having a JSU alumni serve in this role. That does help. Uh, also, you know, I know the language. I know the concerns. I know some of the longstanding history, uh, the longstanding concerns and what really the alumni are looking from the leadership at Jackson State University. All of those things are helpful. 
you do not take it for granted. You don't just assume that just because you're an alumnus uh, that, you know, you get some automatic grace. You have to put in the work in terms of alumni engagement. But what being a part of that alumni association does is, again, gives you a little bit of a leg up in terms of knowing the key constituents, uh, knowing what those longstanding concerns are. And it shortens that learning curve that a lot of, a lot of presidents have when it comes to alumni relations. I think that's super interesting that you're only the second uh, alum. That is, uh, I do think that's interesting, Doug. You should, you should write that piece. <laughs> do a regression on, on how many institutions have uh, ever hired uh, alumni because it's a, that's a pretty important question. So I'm interested in turning to how you have seen yourself evolve as a leader. Uh, in particular, I think in the last two years, let's talk. So I obviously, the fact that you come in to becoming president in the midst of the pandemic is wild. Mm-hmm. Um, helping to, to, you know, settle everything and settle the ball has been hard for everyone. I'm curious about if you think about how you used to make decisions, like, say, five years ago versus now. Is there anything that has changed because we've been in this rapid fire, constantly firefighting space? And I'm just wondering if that has evolved anything in terms of how you make decisions as a leader. You know what? That's interesting, because one of the things that I've talked to uh, my colleagues and members of my administration often is uh, this concept of getting to the solution quicker. Right. Uh, you know, not staying so much in assessment mode uh, when you're in a leadership position, you're constantly evaluating, you're constantly uh, in some level of assessment. But you cannot stay in that mode. You have to get to solutions. You have to make decisions. So if anything, just the response time and the response rate in terms of how sooner uh, you get to the solution when you're confronted with problems, you just really don't have a lot of time to linger. Uh, you have to be willing to make mistakes. You have to understand that, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is the course of action we're going to set. Uh, we have to understand that if it doesn't work, you have the flexibility to pull back and rethink, but you have to get to that solution quicker. You do not have time to linger over issues. So that's probably the biggest change that I've seen uh, in terms of my leadership. And also it goes back to what I talked to you earlier about with respect to being that senior person in the room and your words really mattering. And so really having that really matter. And so really having that ability to measure, step back and understand that if I say something, People are not only going to listen, but they're going to act on it and making sure you measure your words and, under, and understand the impact of such. There's been a lot of talk in a lot of circles about uh, the challenges of keeping colleagues, um, uh, particularly I mean, students are so, sort of separate matter, but uh, engaged, uh, feeling motivated, uh, keeping us all charging forward in this what has been a sort of permanent sprint for a long time. And I'm curious sort of what tactics, strategies you have used to keep your concentric circles, but, you know, your closest colleagues, your cabinet, uh, and then more broadly, the sort of faculty and staff at Jackson State continuing to push forward in what has been, you know, a slog that just doesn't seem to (laughs) <laughs> you know, and and staying focused on that mission. Well, that that's very important. And, you know, one of the things, first of all, you have to over-communicate. And uh, during the pandemic, you learn different ways to communicate. You know, we all learned, we knew about Zoom, but we all learned to use Zoom effectively in all of these virtual spaces. And you do that to put yourself 
in front of uh, these various constituents uh, more often than you used to. So you communicate, you communicate. You know, I meet uh, monthly with my faculty senate, my staff senate. I meet biweekly with my administrative team uh, individually. And once a week, of course, we meet, meet as a body. And you're constantly pushing those themes, those message messages. When I started, I had four specific priorities of the presidency and really just pushing those things. And as we go forward, you know, we released our strategic plan this past September, uh, hammering home JSU Elevate, what that means and how you see yourself in your unit in that strategic plan and how are you going to operationalize that. And again, that requires constant communication. It requires putting it in front uh, of those various audiences uh, as much as possible and just making sure we're all on the same page. And I think that's something everyone has to really focus on because it's not just that it's a one-time deal. It's really like the waves of exhaustion are hitting people and it really is not consistent. Requires leaders kind of doubling back and constantly reassessing. So I'm curious about how you as a leader maintain optimism or confidence regardless of what's going on. So we've been, as I mentioned, taking hard hits in the shoulder kind of daily for the past two years. And it, when your team is looking to you for leadership, they were, they're looking for you to, to seem, <laughs> even if you're not, uh, optimistic about the future. And sometimes that's particularly hard. And I just want to know if there's any personal practices that you have adopted that help you show up in that space, uh, re- kind of regardless. Well, uh, one thing I learned to do is not to vent out loud. Uh, you, as a leader, uh, you have to remain positive. You have to re- keep your eye towards the future. Uh, you have to understand that it's not about you. It's about them. And by them, I mean, it's about our students first and foremost. Uh, it's about our alumni. It's about our faculty. It's about our staff. Uh, it's about those future tigers. You know, I'm here, uh, in Los Angeles right now, uh, and we're recruiting more JSU students. They want to hear the positive vision for the university, and that's just as true uh, for those who are already a part of Jackson State University. So you just have to continuously carry that positive message. You have to stick to those priorities. The reason a strategic plan is so important, because you have to be able to rally and have everyone align under a common set of goals and objectives. And then you have to continuously communicate that, make sure you operationalize that, make sure people are seeing that. And, and so that's why that's what I do. And that would be my advice to any leader. Uh, really just stick to the message, make sure it's a positive message and then make sure it's a message that everyone can not only buy into, but they can align their operations with. So I want to follow up on that, that I think that that's good advice. Yes, you can't vent in, in, in front of your team. But how do you process things then? Uh, I'm curious if you have anything that's worked for you, obviously, in our uh, our personal relationships, then your um if you have a partner or spouse, they can sometimes end up having to do a lot of extra work as a uh, free therapist um, or they have to you know, listen to far too much about work. Um, are there any other practices that help you process, especially if you're if you verbally process and you can't do it at work? Right. And, you know, I'm fortunate to uh, have several presidents, uh, you know, in my network that I can call upon, uh, both current and former. You know, there was a great uh, group of JSU, former JSU presidents uh, that I was able to call upon who have done this job before. You know, one of my mentors, uh, Dr. Rob Page, who was former interim president at Jackson State and also former secretary of education for the United States. 
uh, just a wealth of information and knowledge on leadership dealing with various situations. Uh, our president emeritus, John A. Peoples, who was the first alumni president uh, to be at Jackson State University. Again, just a wealth of knowledge and information, uh, people you can run things by, and people who understand exactly what you're going through, and just having that home life, that stable home life where you can go and just sort of get away from everything, get away from the moment. Uh, you really have to have those things because you do have to be able to talk through and process what's going on in this very complex field and these very complex universities and institutions that we are uh, in charge of and we have to, you know, oversee. It makes me want to go to a question because um, I think it might relate for you um, of a book that you find yourself consistently recommending to others. Well, if, if I had to choose one, and of course, there are many others, I try to read sometimes for pleasure. Right. But when we talk about leadership, uh, probably the, my favorite book on leadership was called the, is called The President's Club. Uh, written by Michael Duffy and uh, Nancy Gibbs. And what it deals with is the transition of power, the relationships between U.S. presidents uh, going back to the Hoover-Truman relationship going all the way forward. And it just talks through how leaders interact with each other, how that transition of power the previous administration oftentimes will set the direction for your administration. And really this idea that really these uh, roles, the United States, Jackson State, any great institution exists on a continuum. Uh, we often think of it as a set of uh, distinct administrations, but when you look at it, we all exist on the continuum. We all build on the work, uh, the great work that was done before us, and we're just here for a time, and it's our job to make sure we leave it better than we found it and hand it off to the next leader. And that was one of the best books that I've seen that really captures uh, that thought. That aligns with my leadership as well. It's such a good book. One of the things that I, I loved about it was discovering that one of the only presidents that didn't ever have a president's club because there weren't any presidents who were living to serve in that role was Nixon. Mm -hmm. And you think about the value of having allies that you can talk about this stuff with. And I'm, uh, I'm not sure how many, how many folks have, have read that book, but it's, it's a fantastic one. So that's a great recommendation. No one's ever recommended that in, on the show before. So thank you for doing that. I did want to end with, uh, the advice that has been most useful to you as a leader. Um, who gave it and what was it? Hmm. And that's a great question because you, if trying to boil it down to one or two, right? You know, you've gotten so, uh, had so many great people really want to pour into you. And I've had a number of wonderful people pour into me. Uh, but I guess the best advice that I've been given was, you know, by uh, Dr. Page, who I mentioned before. And it's really about finding yourself in that role, finding yourself in the role and the responsibilities that you've been given and staying true to yourself, staying true to your core values uh, and staying true to the core mission of the university. That much is very important. And then I'll name another one, if I may have a second one, is uh, Dr. Ivory Nelson, who is uh, here at Jackson State for a period of time and has been the president of two, uh, three separate universities. And he talked about never forgetting about the business of higher education, the nuts and bolts of what we do here. 
uh, how we deliver our product, the way we market our product and how we pay for our product. Uh, the business of higher ed is something that has to be always first and foremost in your mind. Uh, you know, one of the things that I was told very early is, you know, making sure your first responsibility, making sure the university has the resources it needs to act in accordance with its mission. And again, never forgetting the business of higher education. So those are just two things that amongst many that I can name that really help frame my thinking and frame the direction I've taken this role. Um, I lied about it being your last question, so I do want to ask what advice you find yourself most frequently giving to others who are aspiring to leadership. Well, you know, uh, similar, uh, and, and it's great, you know, again, finding yourself in that role, uh, the core, never forgetting about the core of what you're doing, the core mission of what you're doing and of your institution, uh, never forgetting those things. And, you know, again, just finding yourself in this role and finally setting those priorities. Uh, you have to work under some sort of plan. You have to be working towards something. And it has to be something that others are, that's both known and others can buy into. So again, never straying from your inner core, never straying from the core mission of the institution, having that priority list that others can see and align and work towards. Well, that was wonderful. Well, thank you so much, uh, President Hudson, for being here with us today. Uh, really appreciate the chance to learn about your perspective and especially your advice for other leaders who are navigating transition to lead their institution into the future. So, um, Doug, I, I will see you in like two, two something weeks, two and a half weeks at South by Southwest. So if folks are interested. We will be um, having a panel there with President Michael Sorrell. Um, but otherwise, we will see you all very soon. Thanks so much for being here.